0: My Car Guru, episode 212. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in to this edition of My Car Guru. I got a check yesterday that made me kind of happy. Um, I I had mentioned that I had bought some property, about 40 acres next to my house. I was trying to protect my flank. You know, sometimes um, somebody will, you know, buy a lot and or, or buy some property and then somebody just really close to them, right in their view or you know, next door or right next to their driveway, they decide to put up, a, I don't know, chicken coops or something like that. And that's just something that you really can't control you know, if you don't control the land around you. Well, I decided that I was going to control as much of the land around me as I could. Matter of fact, the land was right between me and my view, which is my view of the beautiful Unica Mountains here in East Tennessee. So the, um, I just decided that I had to have it. So I bought it and found out that the um, the property taxes, that, that this property had been in the green belt, which means they get a discount it's for farmers and stuff like that, and they get a discount on their property taxes. But if you sell that property and, and then the, the buyer – uh, can continue the, the green belt unless they decide to subdivide the property, which I was going to do. I was going to sell a piece to my one-to-one daughter, one to another daughter, one to my nephew, because they kind of live around me anyway. And so um, since I decided to subdivide it, all of those three years worth of the the difference between the green belt tax and the regular property taxes was due and payable, and that amounted to about $9,000. I was kind of shocked so they I felt like that should have been disclosed to me, you know, during the closing. So I called the um, guy I bought it from and he said, "Well, Lenny, I'm sorry I didn't know anything about it." He said, "I'll reimburse you if if I have to, just um let's see if we can you can get that handled through the title insurance or, you know, through the closing company because they should have taken care of it." Which I agreed with that that should have been brought up and and it but it wasn't. And so, th- I was very pleased with the title company. I called them. And they said, "Well, let's check into it." I said, "Yes, Mr. Lawson. As as a, you know, you could turn this into your title insurance, but because uh, we just want to, you know, do the right thing, we're just going to reimburse you for that." Doesn't that feel good? You know, doesn't it feel good when uh, somebody steps up and does the right thing? You know, and I, I've seen that a lot in the car business. I've seen. Um, customers over the years in my career where, you know, they felt like they didn't get what they paid for. For me, you know, they were upset because, I don't know, that the vehicle had some type of a problem that either should have been disclosed or it was in such a short period of time after they bought it that, you know, we should step up and, and take care of it even though it was sold as is. Do you agree with that? I do. You know, I think – I don't know what the time frame is. Uh, I don't know whether, you know, I should stand behind something for a year. I don't think I should, you know, because anything can happen to a car in that period of time. But, you know, if somebody buys a car and within a few days the air conditioning goes out or even a month, you know, even though we sell it as is – then, you know, as-is means with all of its faults. Well, the customers don't know, right? You don't know what may be wrong with the car. That's one of the reasons people buy extended warranties. I had a question uh, from somebody in the showroom I was going to share with you about uh, an extended warranty. Is it worth buying an extended warranty? And I'm going to go over a few of those considerations. I answered the exact same way I'm going to tell you is what I said to them in the showroom. And so I I got a couple email questions, too, about uh, total cost to own. I mean, there's some people that don't consider all of the different things that are involved in owning a car. They just look at the, well, what's my monthly payment? You know, how much am I going to have to pay for this car? So we're going to go over that as well. But I I just think, you know, I want to make this point that if you don't ask for help, then you won't get it. And it's important to ask in the right way. I mean, I didn't call the owner of that property and raise Cain with him. I mean, he, he honestly said, Lenny, I just, I didn't know my, you know, and he had inherited the property. He didn't know what Greenbelt was, let alone whether it was in the Greenbelt or not. So I believed him. And uh, the title agency, they handled this with a great deal of professionalism. There was no argument. I didn't have to yell, you know, or scream or anything. And, and I think, you know, we had a customer on our service drive yesterday. Um, that just went off, you know, because of a problem with their car. Now, more than likely, they weren't mad at us. They were mad at the situation. But, you know, when you act that way, it makes the people that you are mad at not want to help you. And and a lot of people think that if you don't yell and scream and, you know, make a scene that you won't get help, and that's just not the case, folks. I I don't know. Maybe it is with you, but it's not with me. And I think it's better to... Remain calm and just not show your you know what. I heard a long time ago that one of the best things to do if you're at a customer service window and you're sitting there at a desk or standing at a desk to install a mirror right behind you so that when somebody's raising cane, they can see how it makes them look. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. We didn't do that. What what bothers me is that when when somebody does have an issue – or I have an issue with somebody. I'm going to say, "Can I speak to you privately? Can we go into an office?" I'm not going to do it out there in front of a whole, you know, room full of customers. I don't care what's going on. But you know, I'm, that's me. So when some people say, "Well, I've got a temper," you know, and and many people wear their temper like a badge of honor or like you know, see this see this uh, chip on my shoulder right here. You better not touch it because I have a really bad temper. And uh, they warn you about it in advance, and I say, well, is that something you're proud of? Because I don't think that's something to be proud about, is having a temper and going off on people. I won't be pushed around by anybody. Sir, nobody's trying to push you around. We're just trying to come up with a solution that will make you happy. Because we want you to come back, even though you are being a you-know-what course, I wouldn't say it that way. But you understand where I'm coming from here. It's just how you handle the situation. So I'm going to take my first break and we're going to come back and I'm going to answer a couple of these questions that these people had. I think it'll be of interest to you. What's a, about total cost to own? I mean, you think about, you'll probably think about three or four of these things before I get back, but there's one of them that you probably don't think about and you should. And also, um, are extended warranties really worth buying? So we'll get to that here in just a minute. Well, I got an email this morning I was real happy about. My F-150, my replacement F-150, I've got a 2021, if anybody wants to buy it from me, it'll probably have about 15,000, 16,000 miles when my new truck comes in. It's a 2021 F-150 Platinum. And what's cool about it is it's got the power boost engine. What that means it's a 3.5 liter twin-turbo engine V6, but it's also got – it's a hybrid. And so it's not a plug-in hybrid. Uh, It generates its energy based on the uh, engine, basically charges, and and when you apply the brakes, it charges the battery. And it will power my house on a full tank of gas for about 45 hours. It's it's got a built-in generator, and I just love that thing. I loved it so much, I decided to order a 2023 model. And I got this email this morning. It says, uh, your 2023 F-150 Platinum order has been scheduled for production. So my vehicle is is scheduled to be built the week of November 28th. So when does that mean I'm going to receive it? Well, typically, I hope this is accurate because... In recent years, during all this pandemic stuff, you couldn't count on any of this information to be accurate, but I'm hoping this is. So I should receive the, if it's produced, it'll be January uh, before I get the truck because of the holidays and all that. You know, when you, uh, I saw a dealership ad the other day on TV said, uh, you can order a vehicle from us and you'll have it in a matter of weeks. Let me ask you this, how many weeks are in a year? Yep, fifty-two. Is that a pretty vague thing? That makes you kind of think, well, you'll have it in a couple of weeks, or three or four weeks, or something like that. No, it's not going to happen that quickly, folks. Uh, I, I don't care what you order right now, unless it's already built and sitting in a in a uh, field somewhere. Then you can't count on anything being built rapidly at this time. Uh, just got back from a Nissan meeting, and they said that their their numbers are going are looking really good. Uh, through the end of the year and, and into next year, but you're never, I don't think we're ever going to see the levels of inventory on dealer lots that we've seen in the past. Um, there, I think most manufacturers are shooting for a 30-day supply on the ground. So that means that if a dealership sells 100 cars a month, then they're not going to have any more than 100 cars on the lot at any one time. And so those will be cycling in and out. You know, if they sell 20 cars a month, you know, maybe maybe 20 cars, maybe 25. You know, their 45-day supply is going to be the absolute max. It's good for dealers. It's not as good for consumers, and, and it's because they're just – they won't have to incentivize cars as much. They won't need $5,000 rebates to sell cars. They may not need 0% financing. But I think you're going to see some good deals on the financing side that will keep things moving. Um, You know, cars have gotten a lot more expensive, and we all know that, and they're not going to go down in price. And as more electrification comes, it's going to get even more expensive. So uh, banks are going to be stretching terms, and they're going to be financing vehicles for longer. They're going to have to keep the rates down, or it will shut down the industry, just like it has the uh, housing industry. It's not totally shut down, but my goodness, I heard on the radio this morning that – that 30-year mortgage rates hit seven or 7.08% today. So that's not good if you're getting ready to go into a, a house. Okay, let's get into uh, a few of the questions that I received. Total cost of ownership. You know, when you think uh, your quoted numbers for a car, typically they don't do tax included. Make sure if you're working with a, a BDC person, that, that stands for Business Development Center. I can't stand acronyms. Um, whenever you go to a factory meeting, that's all they do is talk in acronyms. I almost, you almost need a translator with you. But uh, yeah, BDC is is going to be who you talk to if you send an internet lead into a dealership, if you send them an email, or if you call. More than likely, you're talking to a nice lady or gentleman that are work that basically they have headsets on and are, are sitting at a computer, and they initial, initialize most of the sale. And some dealerships they handle all of it. And in some dealerships, they just handle it up to a point, and then hand it off to a regular salesperson. But you need to understand the the total cost of ownership, including sales tax. Always make sure that if you're getting a number, and again, you, you don't ask what the monthly payment's going to be. You need to figure that out based on your credit. But uh, ask for how much they're going to sell you the car for, and how much the sales tax and fees are going to be, because the fees can be significant. Um, of course, sales tax in the state of Tennessee is based on the trading difference. So if you you know, trading a, a $20,000 car and the car you're buying is a $50,000 car, then you only pay sales tax on the difference of $30,000 uh, unless you buy an extended warranty and stuff like that because some of that stuff is taxable as well. So sales tax is an important consideration when it comes to total cost of ownership. Registration, eh, you know, it's not that much money. You probably pay that out of your pocket. Uh, insurance, you know, make sure you call your insurance agent before you go shopping for a vehicle. You may find something that you really like, but you got to find out what the rating is on that vehicle. You know, if it doesn't have a really good, and it really doesn't have a lot to do with the, with the, uh, number of stars that it has as far as crash, uh, safety. Okay. What it has to do with more than anything are repair costs. If you wreck that thing and you don't total it, what is it going to cost that insurance company to fix it? You know, does it have these really expensive headlight systems? Probably. Most vehicles do. Um, but some of them are just absolutely ridiculous. Like, if you're thinking about, I mean, the difference between a, like a, I don't know, a Nissan Altima and a BMW, for example, may be huge. It may be huge between a Nissan Altima and a Honda Accord. So you need to find out which one has the lowest insurance cost if you're comparing those two vehicles. Okay, another thing is fuel cost, fuel economy. I mean, are you calculating that? Do you need to take that in, into account? You know, a lot of people don't when they're f- figuring their monthly budget. Um, you know, if you go from a car that's uh, got a, you know, a a fairly non, let's say a non economical V6, let's say it's getting, I don't know, 15 to 22 miles of the gallon, and you're thinking about going with a new, well, Altima, for example, that gets over 35 miles of the gallon, then that's a consideration. So that maybe you can stretch a little bit on the monthly payment because you're going to be saving a lot on gasoline. So be realistic about that, though. Um, you know, how many miles do you drive a year? Let's you know, say you're driving 20,000 miles a year. Divide that by the uh, EPA estimate miles per gallon. And they're pretty accurate these days if you drive reasonably. And then multiply. Okay, so miles divided by MPG times the, the uh, amount that you're paying per gallon. And that'll tell you what your annual costs are going to be to drive the car. So that's pretty simple. Okay, the thing that most people don't take into account when it comes to um, total cost of ownership is they don't take into account how much the car is going to depreciate. And so how do you find that out? Well, you ask the dealership, what is, if I were to lease this vehicle, and, and tell them you're not going to lease it, but tell me what the residual value is on this vehicle if, if a person were to lease this car for three or four years. Let's say that your average trading cycle is four years. Ask them what the residual value of that car is going to be in four years. Because some really smart people have looked at the market and looked at the car, and they are, you know, they hit it pretty close as to what it's going to be worth. Now, the good thing in recent years is cars don't depreciate, but that's going to, they're going to start depreciating again. And um, you know, these actuarials who look at these numbers and car depreciation and stuff, they they know what they're doing, and you can count on that. So, if you've got a car that loses, you know, half of its value or sixty percent of its value after four years. Versus another car that you're looking at that only loses 40% of, of its value, that's a lot of money, especially on a $50,000 car. And so that dramatically can swing the uh, total cost of ownership. So that's something that's worth looking at. And again, if you need help with this kind of stuff, I'll be glad to help you. Just give me a call. My cell phone number is 423-552-2020. Oh, sorry. That's my hotline. See? Doesn't that sound better? And then my email address is mycarguru2020 at gmail.com. So I will work with you on that. Okay. Are extended warranties worth buying? You know, I talk about this a lot, and, you know, there's so many considerations. But the primary ones are how long are you going to keep the car? How long are you going to own it? What is your normal trade cycle? I mean, is your pattern to, to get a new car every three years? It, well, then why buy an extended warranty? It doesn't make sense. Now, if you keep a car five years or six years, and the next question, I mean, then you might, it might be able to justify buying an extended warranty as long as they don't overcharge you for it. So the next question is uh, if the air conditioner, if you had to replace an air conditioner compressor, or if you had to replace something, uh, maybe the radiator, or do some other major repair, would that kill you? I mean is that do you have any savings? Is that something that you could handle you know the the thing is stuff costs so much to replace I mean just an air compressor can can set you back twelve hundred dollars if it's a factory air compressor and it's um you know it's got some pretty high tech stuff in it I mean that used to be a three hundred dollar job when I got into the car business, but it's really escalated uh headlights you know when they go out um that used to be a headlight bulb, and now it's $2,500. You know, if you that's typically if it's been damaged in some way, but shoot. I mean, if they go out due to a, a, a defect in materials or workmanship, which is what warranties are supposed to cover, then that's worth considering. So um, you just have to look at the cost, and then you have to give me a call. If somebody quotes you like four or $5,000 for an extended warranty, it's too much. It's just way too much, and that's what deal, that's what a lot of dealers are doing because um, they can get by with it because the customers aren't paying attention to the price; they're paying attention to the monthly payment. And so, what the dealer does is he, you know, he slaps a warranty on there and then just extends the term twelve months. He didn't tell you; he just told, well, yeah, we can do this for this month, much a month. You sign the paperwork, go home, honey. I didn't realize this thing was for eighty-four months. I thought we were financing for seventy-two months. Well, you should have read the contract. Uh, okay, so term is really important on the warranty. I mean, if you're going to trade every uh, five years, then you know buy a five-year warranty, how many miles you're going to put on it? You might need to go to 120,000. You know, we're selling six-year 120,000-mile warranties now. Keep in mind that you know when you buy a a new car, if you don't buy a, an extended warranty when you buy the car. You can still buy the extended warranty as long as your warrant your original factory warranty hasn't expired. So you can walk right in the dealership and you can buy the same extended warranty that you could have bought when you bought the car. Now, you will you're losing some term. You're not losing miles. Well, yeah, you are losing miles based on the miles that are on the car, but you're you're definitely losing the term. So, um, you know, you may only let's say you go in and buy it two years after you bought the car and you got twenty four thousand miles, where you're losing that. First two years of 24,000 miles and still paying the same price. But new car warranty, new car extended warranties typically cover more things. And that's what you have to, the next thing you have to find out is what's covered. You know, the better question that I would ask if you're going in to buy a car, let's say you're going in to buy a Honda Accord and they present you with an extended warranty cost and you say, you know, I need a five year, 100,000 mile warranty, don't ask them what's covered. Okay. ask them what's not covered, because you're going to miss something. You know, they'll say, well, the engine and all its internal parts and a lot of the accessories on the car are covered. It's a bumper to bumper warranty. What's really not? You need to find out what's not covered, because there are going to be things like the emission control system that may not be covered. And that's expensive stuff. I mean, the emission controls includes the fuel injection system. And you talk about something expensive to replace. That is, that the emission controls includes the catalytic converter. Those are very expensive. All of the sensors, you need to make sure all that stuff covered. And to tell you another thing, you need to make sure that that, that infotainment center, that big screen that's on that's in front of you on the center console that you think is so cool and has Apple CarPlay on it and Android Auto and all that stuff, you need to make sure that's covered. Because if it's not and that goes out, you know, that... That costs more than what some engines used to cost. So it's definitely an important consideration. Okay, I'll take my last break and be back here in just a second. Okay, I'm back. The final thing that you need to know about the extended warranty that that you're buying is who backs it? Who is behind this? You know, if you buy a Ford ESP, well, it's Ford. If you buy a Honda service contract, it's Honda. If you buy something from um, some insurance company, some name brand that, that doesn't have to do with the, the company, then you need to ask the next question. Well, Okay, who covers that warranty company? Because a lot of dealers sell uh, contracts from independent companies. They're not backed by the manufacturer. You know, should you buy one of those? Well, you know, if there's a savings involved, it's fine as long as it's covered by an insurance company. That's an in, It's an insurance-backed product. Don't buy it. If it's just backed by the dealership, because what happens if that dealership goes out of business, then you may not have a warranty. And, uh, you know, it would be nice to know what kind of claims process that the company has. You know, if I come into the dealership and I've got a problem that's covered by my extended warranty, what's the claims process? Do they have to send adjusters and stuff like that, or are you able to do all that here? If they're not able to do all that there Then don't buy that warranty. Buy the manufacturer's uh, extended warranty. But if, um, you know, also if you go out of town, what's the process? If you break down, you know, you're at Orlando, for example, at Disney World, and you break down down there and you take it to a dealership, are they going to honor that warranty? You know, do they have a nationwide coverage? Do they use like a, a Visa card, for example, for the company if you go to a place that doesn't honor that warranty? Like you break down at a little Napa Auto Care place or something you know, you, you've you got to make sure that they'll pay the claim no matter where you break down. They'll pay for towing, and maybe some of them even pay for hotels, you know, if you break down. So it's important to know what those extra coverages are, because they really can make a difference. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. I hope I shared some information with you that will help. Again, reach out to me, 423-552-2020. That's my cell phone, my hotline, or mycarguru2020 at gmail.com. And I'll answer your questions about cars. Well, thanks again. We'll see you next time.